Welcome to the Shifting Our Schools podcast, where we believe learning never stops. We create innovative and flexible professional development opportunities that support the current research and thinking in education today. This week's podcast episode aspires to set you up to take another step forward on your personal learning journey. Now here's your host, Jeff Udick. Welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our Schools. Thank you for finding some time to have a listen today. What I love about today's episode is it continues on this same trend we're hearing over and over again. It doesn't matter the industry, the path to success follows a very similar pattern. Start creating, build your skills, and use your skills for the next adventure. Network, 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 and somewhere along the way, find your passion. That's what Lindsay, today's guest, talks about in her journey in journalism. Lindsay is a sports writer for The Athletic and Just Women Sports. She follows and reports on the WNBA. She co-authored a book called Hail Mary, The Rise and Fall of the National Women's Football League. But more importantly than what she does today is the tell of her journey to get there. The educators who supported her, the networking with others that led her to her current position and career. Lindsay is a true inspiration and wanted to make sure I mentioned that if any educator would like to reach out and think she could help you or your student that might be interested in sports writing, she's always willing to help. You can find her contact information in the show notes of this episode. From high school newspaper to professional sports journalist, Lindsay writes about women's college basketball and the WNBA for The Athletic and Just Women's Sports. Her articles, columns, and profiles on women and LGBTQ athletes have previously appeared in The Ringer, Deadspin, ESPNW and ESPN, Teen Vogue, The Buffalo News, The Huffington Post, NBC Out, and more. She received a notable mention in the 2018 Best American Sports Writer anthology for her story, My Father, Trump, and the Buffalo Bills. Lindsay has previously published three young adult LGBTQ books, one of which won a Golden Crown Literacy Society Award for a debut author. I hope you enjoy this episode with Lindsay. And with that, on with the show. Welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our Schools. So excited to have a special guest here, a journalist, Lindsay, all the way from Buffalo, New York. Uh, It's great that we can do this stuff across time zones. The power of technology and Zoom these days. It's great when we all know a a similar platform. So Lindsay, thank you for being a guest on the podcast. Uh, To get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, uh, and maybe even how did you get into journalism? Yeah, so uh, I'm a sports writer. That is my day job. I'm also an author. I've written um, young adult um, LGBTQ plus fiction um, in uh, previously, and have have just published this past November um, a nonfiction sports book called Hail Mary: The Rise and Fall of the National Women's Sports League, which is um, a, a recount of the NWFL from the 1970s which many people did not know and still do not know existed. <laughs> um, and yeah, so my, I, rec- I cover the WNBA and women's college basketball for the athletic as well as just women in sports. Awesome. And you've written for a ton of different outlets from Teen Vogue mm-hmm. to The Guardian to NBC. Um, for our audience of educators who are looking to inspire future generations of journalists and creative writers, what is the, like, the number one thing you think educators should know about how to support passion in students who uh, 
want to become journalists or, or have this knack or love to write? Well, it's, you know, I, I went to school in the high school in the 90s. So this is going back a long, long way before social media and all that. But I had those types of teachers who saw something in me and saw that I was good at writing and wanted to kind mm. of harness that. I had one teacher who suggested I work for the school newspaper, which I hadn't even considered. You know, I was big into fiction at the time and writing short stories and whatnot. But they thought I might enjoy that. So um, my junior year, I joined the paper to write about sports, funny enough, um, <laughs> and, and a, a few other fun things like columns and stuff like that. That was fun. I had another uh, English teacher who she was not my direct teacher. I took a class with uh, an essay class with a different teacher, but they shared classrooms and so I got to know her a little bit and she would write me a note to get out of study hall and I'd go meet her for tea in the, in the teacher's lounge and just talk about writing. Um, mm. So I think, you know, if you see something in somebody, you think there's a special talent there um, in, in current, going beyond that in, encouraging step of just saying, yeah, you know, this and that, but maybe uh, I was offered suggestions. I was um, given a little guidance. I had a teacher take time out to just talk about my interest. And that meant so much to me because those few teachers I will always remember. And I have a special yeah. place in my heart for them. I love that. And then going on from there, uh, university creative writing or directly into the workplace, like what was kind of your path? Yeah, you asked me how I got into sports journalism, I, I'm, I'm yeah. guessing specifically. Um, and I have yeah. a very twisty, rindy road, which I think is great because not everybody just goes to J school, journalism school, and graduates and then hops right into a job. Like my path was a little different, partly because I was so interested in fiction at mm. that point in my life um, and wanted to be like the next great American novelist. Um, so, you know, my mom was like, you should be a sports writer. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that, <laughs> <laughs> which is funny because she, yeah, um, right. right. But, um, yeah, so I went to, I didn't even go to a specific school for journalism. I went to a school down South in Virginia, down South for me called Randolph Macon college, very small school, liberal arts school and, um, majored started out actually as a history major because I wasn't really wow. sure what I wanted to do. Switched over to English and creative writing my junior year. And that's really when I started really getting into um, it. I also started writing for the college paper there, um, mm. covering some of the sports teams and whatnot. But it wasn't until I was out of college for a couple of years. Um, I had tried living in Boston, Massachusetts for a little bit and really just never found anything that really, I really wanted to like pursue and make a career out of. So I yeah. moved back to Buffalo and I started working at a small weekly paper at a, a, a small town called the Springville Journal as a high school sports reporter. And okay. that sort of lit the fire. Um, mm. It was my first taste. I then got a job at the Buffalo News, but working in the advertising department. So I did a little advertising, copywriting and stuff there. All these jobs, though, they, they helped, you know, give me these tools, these real world tools that you don't right. necessarily get in college that are right. beneficial. But, um, so eventually after I was at the news from for about five years, I decided to quit and, and freelance for a first time for a full time because I wanted to branch out. I wanted to write for different outlets and different papers across the country. I was writing for a magazine called Curve, which at the time was the best selling national lesbian magazine in the country when print was still okay. king. Um, and so I just wanted to do more of that. And I, I, mm. I didn't see a career for me in copywriting. There was, it wasn't, I could do it, but I wasn't getting fulfillment out of it. 
And so right. I, I took a leap of faith. And um, as you said, I just, I wrote for, eventually built up a, a platform. I wrote for a bunch of different outlets from Deadspin to NBC Out to ESPNW to Allure. I mean, I was kind of all over the map. Um, but when I really sort of settled into writing profiles on women athletes, I felt there was a connection there mm. um, and started focusing more on the WNBA because basketball, I played all my life and, and just love. And um, one thing led to another and I got hired at The Athletic um, in 2018 and then they launched the WNBA vertical and I got to be a part of that and then just moved over to the WMBA vertical completely. And then Just Women's Sports came along and my former editor at The Athletic left to go work with them. And she said, you know, once I get settled, I'm bring, you're going to yeah, for me. You're coming too. with me. <laughs> so I'm pulling double duty for, for both sides, which I love. I mean, it's, it's yeah. you know, but um, yeah, it just sort of, sort of happened one thing after the other. And uh, a lot of it, and I'm sure you're going to ask me about this, has to do with networking. Right. I was going to say, like, what I'm hearing, and I, I'd love to, like, dig into this because I think this is so good for educators to remember when they're talking with kids. But also my hope is, is that if there are educators who have a student who's interested in journalists to realize you just don't, you know, leave college and go write for ESPN or ESPNW. Like, you just don't go do that. Like, there's a journey and, uh, you know, you're one of, of many people we've had over the last couple of months in different contexts. And everybody talks about the same thing. Like my journey was was twisted and turned. And I, I went and did this little job. But that little job gave me experience for this next job. They gave me experience for this next job. And within that, you're building up your network. Yeah. Um, and that network all of a sudden plays out. Your editor's like, hey, I got a new job. You're coming with me when I get settled. Right. And so you, you're able to snowball your experiences yeah. on top of each other. Uh, and I think that's just so important for, especially for students who, you know, are interested in journalism or what doesn't matter what career you want to work for Amazon. You want to work for ESPN. You want to be a commentator Sunday football or whatever it happens to be. You don't just do that one day. Like there's definitely a, a progression to it. Yeah. Like I said, some people, they know exactly what they want to do. And then it just yeah. sort of happens that way and they fall right into it after college. But I think most people, that's not how it happens. And I agree. There are different people I met along the way from one job or another, one, one freelance assignment to another, who, you know, either became um, a friend or a mentor or hooked me up with something else. Um, I got very immersed in, uh, in the media, in the Buffalo media, the sports media specifically. Yeah. Um, I met a great guy named Tim Graham who wrote for the Buffalo News for years and um, he just took an interest in me, bring me on his radio show to talk Buffalo sports. This is back when I was still writing about like the bills and things like that. Yeah. Um, before I got full into women's basketball. Um, but once he left and joined the athletic when it started in Buffalo, he gave them my name. So without that connection, I may not even be writing for the athletic right now. So that's I just one that. example of yeah. how that works. You know, you, you, you make connections with people and, um, and, and they, they're valuable, you know, and it's yeah. not just it's not just waiting for someone to take an interest with, in you. Sure. It's also you reaching out as well. 
Yeah, I love that. That is so good. Let's talk a little bit about the WNBA League. Uh, of course, the new season is just starting. Go Storm, got to say. Uh, love our Seattle Storm here in mm-hmm. Seattle. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about, about your kind of maybe your process of covering the NBA? What are some aspects of your work that you think uh, your readers may not be aware of or our listeners uh, and educators, like kind of uh, behind the scenes? Like, what, what, How do you go about covering uh, a professional sports like the WNBA? Yeah, so I don't do like analytical coverage. That's now never been my thing. I like I like covering the stories that happened uh, off the court as well as on the, the storytelling. Court. Yeah, yeah, and I you know I have a knack for writing feature profiles and really getting uh, some insight from the athlete and um, what makes them tick and and how they got to a certain point in their career. And you know I love just the back and forth during that conversation I'm mm. having with somebody um, and, and what they reveal. Um, I, that's what I primarily do. Um, so I work on different features throughout the, the season. Usually my editor and I will, in, on either site, the athletic or just women's sports, we'll go over some things, maybe what we want to do for the season and have some target names, some target stories, and um, I'll, I'll get started on those. But then also I do different things throughout the season. Like for the athletic, I write a column biweekly called um, – 12 questions. And I basically just come up with 12 questions about what's going on in the league at this point all over. And um, usually I do about nine of my own and then I throw it out on, I'll throw something out on Twitter and have people ask, give me some reader questions. Oh, great. Um, Those are always fun. And then um, I also do weekly rankings, which I don't do it for either side. I just do it for fun, but it's kind of really caught on and people like actually look forward to me sharing my rankings. Which is really <laughs> funny. Um, so I, I've kind of started that a couple of years ago and I just kept it going. Um, it's not official. It's just what, how I feel personally, the, right. the rankings are with the teams and people debate and, you know, <laughs> throw this and that it's, I find it's, it's fun. Um, and then um, actually my, my editor at Just Women Sports and I were just talking today about doing something on a regular basis aside from the features that I'm working on. That So, I mean, there's a lot of um, collaboration and mm. creativity that goes in. I mean, the features really, it's just about setting up interviews with the players, finding time in their schedule, and then just having a good old conversation. And then maybe talking to one or two people in their lives or on their team who can you know, add in a few little tidbits mm. and, and some more insight and then um, just crafting the story from, from that. I It's such a, I love the process of it. Yeah. And what I was going to say, could you kind of maybe break down, like how long does it take? Like from the, Hey, we would like to interview this person, story, editing, approval, and we get to see it on the other end. Like well, the good part about having like two permanent gigs is I don't have to worry about approval. It's just me being like, hey, what okay. do you think about this idea? And, and my editor's being like, yeah, let's go for it. Let's do it. Okay. Um, with freelancing, there was a lot of pitching of ideas, and I haven't had to do that in over three years now. So I'm glad because. Congrats. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't have to mess with that anymore. But so, yeah, so I started get the go on a story. I start. The hardest part is scheduling an interview because. Mm they have such little time and you know, the WNBA season is just for the summer. It's a very compact schedule. Yeah. Um, and they're constantly being interviewed after practice and this and that. So this is not something I could just join a, a media zoom and like throw a couple of questions. Like I need right. a good 15, 20 to 30 minutes to ask my one question after your other playoff of their responses. So that we have to find time to set that up. So you work with yeah. the P- PR departments at the teams 
um, which I have good relationships with uh, with them because I've done different stories on different players right. for years now. So that's the hard part. That then comes transcribing the interview, which is just typing out the conversation and pulling out the good quotes and the good stuff. The writing is the easy part. That's the part okay. that doesn't take me very very long at all. Um, I usually it's just something that's always come really natural to me. I can see the story take shape. Um, I can, you know, boom, 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 knock it out um, within a day, less than, and then send it to my editor for edits whenever she gets to them. When we decide, okay, we'll run it at the end of this week. I'll do some editing tomorrow. We have this back and forth after she goes through, get it all prettied up and then boom. So is this all done like on a Word doc that you share with yep. with them? Yep. Like Word doc, share it with your editor. You're leaving comments. It used to be Word doc, but now the the thing is Google Docs. Okay. You, know, you both can access it at the same time. Same you time. Can have it back and forth, right in the on the um, side yep. margin, and yep. it's super easy now. In fact, that's how a lot of the edits were done for my book because I have a Ooh. co-writer. Um, Write the whole thing man, in Google it's Docs. Crazy. It's so great, isn't it? And I love that because we are we're talking a lot about that in schools. Like one of the one of the things that I'm I'm focusing on right now and I'm starting to create a keynote around is this idea of, you know, after the pandemic and stuff, there's a thing in education that we want to quote unquote get back to the basics. And so my question is, well, what do you mean back to the basics? If you're if you're somebody who wants to go into journalism, what are the basics? Uh, Google Docs. Uh, networking, uh, being able to communicate and collaborate with others. Like that's what I'm hearing are like the basic skills to be a journalist, not whether or not you have good cursive writing. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, there is some, you need to have some writing ability and to be able to pinpoint a story. I think there's a certain natural ability that comes into play with that. Right. It's yeah. something you can learn, but you know, also, these the kids coming out today, look what is available as far as how many different sites you can write for and get experience. Yeah. Like, I had my college paper clips when I um, <laughs> walked into the Springville Journal as my with my resume. Um, how do you build clips without, you know, back then it was just getting an opportunity so you could actually build a, um, a um, content and be able to show it. Now you just go online and you could write for, you can write for blogs. You can write for this, yeah, you can write for that. I love that. There's so much opportunity out there. And um, Twitter, I know it's going to sound funny, but it changed my career. I uh, decided to join Twitter in 2015 when I started wanting to get more into, when I wanted to branch out more right. and, and get more into sports writing. And I was hemming and hawing about it because I'm not big on social media. I didn't, yeah. I'm like, I don't want to deal with it. But <laughs> I don't know. Something was like, you know, might be a good thing. Yeah. And I have met so many people. I have networked with so many people. I would not have the jobs I have today. I would not have been an author of Hail Mary. My co-writer and I met via Twitter. Wow. Um, I can't. Twitter has its issues. But as far as being in journalism for this medium, it is incredibly resourceful. Yeah. How do you see, uh, I love this because this, this whole thing on social media, uh, how do you see it really shaping the sports journalism industry? 
uh, around, you know, you're saying things exactly like the things you're saying, but also like access to players, access to fans, like even your, you know, you write your 12 questions and you can, you have access to fans who are very specific, who are very, you know, they, they love their, their WNBA team. They, they've got questions they'd love to hear your advice on. Uh, how do you, do you see that continuing to be or, or morphing in some way? I mean, it's changed the game. Really, mm. uh, there's so much access, like you said, to players. I mean, you could write a whole article. Some people do on like yeah. someone's on Sue Bird's tweet. You know, yeah. <laughs> you could draft a whole series on you know on it or, or on something she said or an interaction yeah. or you know. There's the gatekeeping that that existed between stars and writers and stars and fans and mm. athletes. When is what I mean when I say stars. But yeah, it just doesn't exist anymore. And yeah. there's just there's so much more there to work with. There's so much easier accessibility. Um, it's just it's I think it's a great tool and if used wisely, you know. Right. Yeah. Is that where you find is that where you find most of your stuff on Twitter? Like the other social mm-hmm. networks, Instagram, but you find Twitter is kind of the journalist still the journalist place yeah, to, to, I don't to make mess those connections. With, uh, Instagram, I feel like is <laughs> I'm really not into time suckage when it comes to social social media. I've right. really tried to cut that down a lot. I was on Instagram for a little while, but it was just another thing I was scrolling through. I'm not really yeah. on Facebook. It's that's more for like family, keeping up yeah. with family photos right. and stuff. Right. Twitter is is where I live because that's where my my outlets that I write for share my stuff. That's where you yeah. can read other people's stuff. That's where you interact with WNBA media and connect and network. And that's where you um you end up on an educational podcast. <laughs> you end up on an educational podcast. You see things athletes have tweeted or you're in, you're kind of in the mm, know. It's almost like, right. I don't know how I could do this job now without being on Twitter. That's very cool. I love that. Which has its pluses and minuses. Sure. Absolutely. And to your point, like you've got to know how to use it, right? There's a respect to it. There's a way of understanding how do you reach out in a respectful way? How do you have respectful conversations? How do you dis- disagree respectfully with a fan who doesn't like something you wrote? Uh, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot that goes into it. It's it's not just throw something out there and, you know, um, it, it's very, there's very much a knack. There's very much a skill to, to being able to use it and use it in a very powerful way. Yeah. Um, I, I and some that. of that admittedly has been a learning process for me. Like yeah. I've been on Twitter since 2015, but there was a growing, some growing pains there as far as you said, like learning how to interact and not take the bait with certain people. And then, right. you know, I was kind of all over the map when I first joined and now I basically tweet sports and funny things. And that's yeah. pretty much it. I don't yeah. want to get, I don't want to get down, bogged down with all the other nonsense yeah. that happens. Not, not going to do It's not worth it. I love that. I'd love to finish our conversation talking about your book. Um, It's called Hail Mary, The Rise and Fall of the Women's Football League. We will make sure there's a link to the book in our show notes uh, for those that are interested in reading it and looking into it more. But, you know, your book has received praise from Publishers Weekly. Uh, It's been on the Oprah Daily blog. Congratulations, of course, on on all of that. Again, our audience being educators is interested in helping learners develop the capacity that you model. Can you talk us through uh, about the role of of taking on feedback while you're writing a book like that? 
Um, in what ways did you need to engage with feedback during the process? You know, a lot in education, we're talking about giving feedback to kids and how do you receive feedback when you write something and an editor comes back and says, you know, that doesn't, that sounds horrible. Or, or like, how do you accept that feedback? And, and just kind of maybe talk through like that, that whole publishing a, a, a book um, process and what, what's that like? Yeah, definitely. Well, I had to learn that earlier on in this business, um, especially when you're when I was freelancing for a bunch of different editors. You're working with different personality types and different styles, and what you may get used to one that you have with one site is totally different at another. And that was an adjustment, and it took me a while to find my balance with receiving criticism, and, um, knowing when to say when to push back on something I felt strongly about, and when not to willing to see, look at the whole picture and not mm. taking it personally. That didn't happen overnight. That was like a, sure. a growth thing. Um, and now I, my, my rapport with both my editor at the athletic and at um, just women's sports is, is so great. Um, yeah. We just, we just roll right into it. Um, and it's, a it's, I've looked, I look at it more as a collaborative effort because this person's job is to make, whatever piece you just worked on better it's they're they're there to make you better and if Mm. you're gonna not be willing to learn or take some feedback well how are you gonna grow as a writer i Um, love that i may have been doing this for a a long time but i'm i'm never done learning and growing as a writer and i am a better writer now than i was six months ago than i was a year ago and on and on um as far as the book i have a co-writer so we had to learn to work together but also when they went over my stuff or when I went over theirs to be open to feedback. I mean, you can't write a book with somebody if you're not open to (laughs) feedback. Um, And thankfully she has been a a freelancer, excuse me, they have been a freelancer for a very long time and know the exact same process Mm. and, and, and know how not to take things critically and it is open to feedback. So that worked in our benefit come both coming from um, freelance backgrounds. It, I think that helped a lot when we were writing the book. But yeah, it's uh, it's important aspect. I, I love that. You're a better writer today than you were six months ago. The importance of the importance of just being in the collaborative process, right? And and, and setting up a, a good, strong collaborative process as well. So Lindsay, thank you so much for taking time out of uh, your busy schedule to talk with us today. Uh, you know, the WNBA is just getting started. So I'm sure you're just starting to really ramp up on some things. If uh, educators, maybe educators are in journalism or ELA teachers would like to uh, learn more about you uh, or follow you on, on Twitter? Where are some places that, that they should be looking for more more information from you? Yeah, the two best places um, to follow me or get in touch is uh, my website, which is just lindsaydarkangelo.com, no apostrophe. And then I'm at uh, darkangel21 on Twitter, um, D-A-R-C uh, angel21. Awesome. Thank you so much. And we'll make sure all of that is in the show notes for people so they can easily access uh, and and continue to follow you and and hopefully share some of your stuff with uh, those interested in journalism and our K-12 program. So thank you, Lindsay, for taking time. Appreciate you being here. That would be great. Yeah. um, Thanks for having me. I had a blast. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Shifting Our Schools. If you found this episode helpful or inspiring, please make sure to subscribe and leave the team a five-star rating. If you want to learn more about the Shifting Schools team or download our free resources, head over to ShiftingSchools.com to see what's on offer now. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode to keep rethinking the shifts our schools need.